Welcome to Disembodied. This is episode 21, and it's called Osho. So I recently watched a documentary series called Wild Wild Country. It's available on Netflix, and it's about Osho's time in Oregon. Maybe a decade ago or more, I began noticing a lot of video clips of interviews with Osho and his quotes. Um, people would post them on social media. And back then, I think, that's a really brilliant guy. Why haven't I ever heard of him until now? I would think basically, who the hell is Osho? I kept asking myself that. And I had to look him up. It took me a while to realize that he originally went by a different name, which was Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh. And under this name, he had run into some trouble in the U.S. It turns out he was kicked out of the U.S. back in the 1980s. After he established a sort of commune in Oregon, he had the reputation of being a cult leader. His followers, called Rajneeshis, were mostly harmless people, actually, who subscribed to more of a free love philosophy. Let's just say the townspeople, the ones who had been there before the Rajneeshis, were appalled by the behavior of these newcomers. The documentary depicts a fair-minded glimpse into both sides of what would eventually become a local war between the two groups. You can watch it yourself. Um, I would reserve judgment, really, until you watch the series. Uh, it's kind of interesting how both sides sort of caused some trouble. It was kind of equal. Back in the 1960s, uh, this guru, Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, had been a brilliant philosophy professor in India. He had been brilliant but controversial. He challenged social norms with his ideas about sex being part of the path to enlightenment. That was kind of shocking. He also wasn't afraid of standing out with controversial opinions either. He was kind of, uh, kind of bold in his criticism, I guess you could say. He criticized mainstream religions. Among the high-profile people he criticized were Gandhi and Mother Teresa, of all people. And these are icons of India in their own right. From what I understand, he was critical of Gandhi because he failed to embrace science and technology, which would bring India into the modern age. And regarding Mother Teresa, he suggested her motives for tending to these children of orphanages may have been less than pure. Her desire to win more souls to Catholicism was surely factoring into the, the effort to save children. Not only that, but the church's doctrine of being against birth control absolutely did not help poor people. In the 1970s, Rajneesh went further to establish an ashram in Pune, India. He developed his own types of meditation and began to promote various therapies to help people, psychological therapies. Later in the 1980s, he established a sustainable community in Oregon, which also offered the same therapies and meditation techniques. I don't want to get into the whole story of what happened in Oregon because you can go ahead and watch the video yourself if you're so inclined, but I need to point out that even despite his getting kicked out of the U.S., it doesn't really mean that he was a bad person himself. 
his is a complicated story, and it ended up causing him to rebrand himself later in life. He took the name Osho, maybe for the reason that he could pass on his valuable teachings without any emphasis being on what went wrong in Oregon. It's fair to say that a lot of cults have operated in the U.S. It's nothing new here at all. Some are quite harmless, while others are preoccupied with marrying off children or killing those who oppose them and so on. There is definitely a spectrum of cult behavior. Some people think that many religions operate with some level of coercion or social pressure, which could technically categorize them as cults. Some families are like cults, and I'm not just talking about the Manson family. If you're wondering what methods of controlling people define a cult, there is a model to refer to. It's called the BITE model, the B-I-T-E model, by Stephen Hassan. He wrote a book on combating cult mind control. Stephen Hassan was actually uh, a cult member formerly before he wrote the book, so he knew all about it. And so BITE stands for Behavior, Information, Thought, and Emotion. And those are the forms of control that cults use. And I'll just go through them really quickly because I think it's useful for people to know what defines cult behavior. So the behavioral control is when group members dictate where and how and with whom you can associate. They might regulate your diet through fasting. They might manipulate a person and deprive them of sleep. They practice financial exploitation. They impose rigid rules and regulations. The information side would be about practicing deception. So that means withholding or distorting information usually. They minimize or discourage access to non-cult sources of information. They make extensive use of cult-generated information and propaganda, such as on YouTube. I'm a big YouTube fan. <laughs> on the thought control side, they would require members to internalize the group's doctrine as truth, right? Truth with a capital T, that is. A lot of religions do that. They change a person's name and identity, possibly. They use loaded language and cliches to stop critical thinking. They employ hypnotic techniques to alter mental states. As a side note, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> but they overall want to undermine critical thinking by doing stuff like that. So that's bad. And for emotional control, they would manipulate and narrow the range of feelings that you're allowed to have. They would call you selfish if you wanted to leave the group or evil, right? They would teach emotion-stopping techniques to block feelings of anger or doubt. They might make you feel that your problems are always your fault and never the leader's or the group's fault. And they would instill fear. They would make you afraid. I think you could argue at this point that some political parties are cults. They operate that way. So let me get to the practical aspect of this episode. Having defined what a cult is, <laughs> um, let's try to take some of Osho's beneficial work and put it to use. He came up with a dynamic meditation 
which I think is really good for people who don't want to do a sitting meditation. This is an active meditation where you're, you're moving around. So it's a, it's a great variation from, you know, standard meditation techniques. So it's supposed to last one hour and it has five different stages and you're supposed to keep your eyes closed throughout, which means you're probably blindfolded. So you'd have to be careful that you have a space to do this in where there's room to move around without hitting anything because you're blindfolded. You have to be careful of that. So I'll read through this. I'll provide a link and a video for this as well in the show notes of this episode if you're interested. So the first stage consists of 10 minutes where you're breathing chaotically and you're letting the air come and go intensely, deep, fast, without rhythm. Not worrying about the inhalation part. You're worrying about the exhalation. And you're doing this as fast and hard as you can until you become the breathing. So that's kind of a a strange part. And then the next part, there's 10 minutes where you explode. This is the fun part. You let go of everything that needs to be thrown out. Follow your body. Give your body freedom to express whatever is there. Go totally mad. Scream, shout. Cry, jump, kick, shake, dance, sing, laugh. Throw yourself around. Hold nothing back. Keep your whole body moving. Okay, and then the next 10 minutes would be doing a mantra. Who, who, who? Jumping up and down, shouting. So each time you land on your feet, let the sound hammer deep into the sex center. (laughs) Those are the instructions. So I would say hammer into the second chakra. So that's pretty easy to do. And now the fourth stage is 15 minutes long and you stop. You freeze wherever you are in whatever position you find yourself. Don't arrange the body in any way. Don't cough, don't move, don't do anything. That's pretty easy. And then the fifth stage, the final stage, this is even better. For 15 minutes, you celebrate with music and dance. Express whatever is inside you. Carry your aliveness with you throughout the day. So this is kind of like a cathartic release type meditation. And it's very different from, you know, any type of standard meditation you'll be taught. But I think it's useful and I think it can help you quiet your mind over time if you were to practice this every day. I've not tried it myself. I would like to try it, actually. Um, my neighbors don't usually like people who scream a lot, though. <laughs> uh, I do live in an apartment at this point. I, I think with contiguous walls here, I may have to be careful. I may have to do this as a silent, cathartic meditation. Anyway, um, this is just one more thing you can try. One more thing in your toolbox to put to use if you're so inclined. Take care and stay well.